the business models of major labels these days are kind of more like, you know, venture capitalists. And they're, and I say that that's just what they, that's just what they do. They're not in the business of developing artists and they, they want to throw a bunch of money on stuff that has already proven that it's working. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for me, I, I worked in the music business to do what I love, which is developing artists and working on music. And if I would have been a banker, I would have, you know, (laughs) done the Goldman track right out of school or whatever. But what do you think the success rate (laughs) is for major label artists these days, at least when you were at Capital, in terms of how many artists you would sign versus how many would recoup the cost of their advance to then, you know, green lit? Oh, very, 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 very few. Very few. Um, Yeah, I think when you sign a record deal, you should assume that's that could be the last check you see from the recording side of your business. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business i'm your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business the book welcome to season three of the podcast i can't believe we're already at season three today my guest is talia alitzer she is the co-founder of god mode a grammy nominated artist development company and they have label side they have management they have publishing their clients include Channel Trace, JPEG Mafia, Love Leo, Yeji, and this is a really interesting company. Talia came out of the major label system. She previously was senior A&R at Capitol Records, where she shepherded Billboard topping releases for artists such as Katy Perry, Sam Smith, and Beck. And before Capitol, she was a booking agent at William Morris Entertainment. Booking um, Britney Spears, Grace Jones, and the likes. And she, before that, was at Mick Management, uh, famously one of uh, John Mayer's first manager, and also has been uh, manager for Sarah McLaughlin. So uh, she has seen all sides. She's seen, um, you know, the management, the label, and the booking, and they just struck a deal with Hypnosis uh, Publishing to now have a publishing arm of God Mode. God Mode is one of these companies in the new music business that is kind of filling the void of artist development. Now that you'll hear Talia talk about it quite extensively of how major labels don't do artist development anymore, uh, it is up to the artist and the manager. But more specifically, if the artist doesn't necessarily have a manager, this God Mode is a company that is there for them to be all of the above, be whatever they need and really... Uh, get into the weeds with the artist and create that artist world, which which Ty will talk a lot more about. As always, you can find us at Ari's Take on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram and Twitter. Visit Ari'sTake.com to get on that email list. That is where you're going to get the most up-to-date information about everything. And head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review if you can. Take take like 30 seconds and do that. That really, really helps. And uh, subscribe to this show, however you're listening to it. Like, subscribe, follow. Hit that up thumb if you're on YouTube. Leave us a comment. I read most of the comments. I try to get back to everyone. Um, and yeah, I read all the reviews and the comments and all that stuff. I really appreciate it. If you're digging this show, just uh, let me know you're digging it. And if you're not, you could send me a DM about it and I'll, and I'll try to improve. We don't need that to air that publicly. <laughs> anyway, um, all right, let's kick in the show. Talia Litzer from God Mode. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Are you, you're in LA, right? I am, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, now that we've, like, just every meeting is now virtual. I mean, we could be anywhere in the world right now, but I bet we're, like, a block away and we don't like, even know if we're Very each close. Other, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> cool. Um, sweet. So I am very interested, uh, all things God Mode, uh, primarily because as we're in this whole new music industry, 
um, everything has has dramatically shifted into the what the traditional team means. Mm -hmm. And I know you come from the major label world. Uh, you're previously at Capitol Records as A&R. Before that, you were in, in um, booking at, at, um, at William Morris, right? WME? Yep. Yep. So tell me, um, well, step me through the process because I'm actually curious what, like how and why you started God Mode and just give me the inception story. Totally. I mean, basically, we we started God Mode when I was... Uh, we basically just started throwing parties when I lived in New York okay. and um, when I was a lot younger and more fun than I am now. <laughs> and uh, basically we just started throwing parties for our friends. And mm -hmm. my partner, Nick is one of the OG guys from Pitchfork. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, Nick Sylvester. Was learning, Nick Sylvester. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time was learning to produce under this guy, James Murphy, who's the lead singer of LCD sound system. Sure. Um, and we kind of just would like put out music as a reason to throw another party. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it kind of, you know, that was sort of when the scene in Brooklyn was really happening kind of in like 2009, 10 time. Okay. And basically I moved out to LA to, uh, do A&R for capital. And the first file on my capital computer happened to be from an unsolicited demo by an artist that kind of became our first God mode artist. Wow. Um, and like you do as an A&R, you always have to have a solid side hustle. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. And basically it just, that artist and that project kind of became the catalyst to what God mode is today. Hmm. Um, it's an artist named Shamir and we got sent the demo. Um, the voice was very androgynous. Um, Nick, you know, we, we flew Shamir out to work with Nick. Nick heard the voice in person was like, oh, my God, this you sound like Sylvester, the dance artist. And <laughs> uh, like this should be like this should be dance music like this is a no brainer. And they made his first EP in a couple days. Mm. And um, at the time, then there was, there was a lot of buzz around it. At the time, we signed him to uh, XL Records. We kind of we we released his EP ourselves and then kind of just acted as managers for him, signed him to Excel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was, it was an interesting experience. I think we, we just had a very different perspective than they did on what it takes to release music in, in this mm -hmm. day and age. Mm -hmm. And they were very excited about more traditional things like billboards and about, uh, you know, uh, BBC Radio, and, and by they are you are you talking XL or do you mean the artist like the, XL? Excuse okay, me. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, we were just sort of like, oh wait, what about digital advertising? What about uh, yeah? You know, this was back in 20, 2012, 2013. Sure. and um, you know, he was recouped in his deal before the the uh, album even came out. Wow, and um, it that whole experience was just sort of the catalyst to what we are today because we were mm. like oh we should just be doing this ourselves yes um and so basically that became you know from there on out we didn't want to have to force our artists or you know the traditional model is is you get some buzz around you whether it's because you're streaming whether it's because there's buzz in the industry and then mm -hmm. you sign a record deal mm -hmm. and we wanted to put together some sort of infrastructure where we, our artists didn't have to go into those deals mm. and that we could fund them how we wanted. So they weren't, you know, signed for their whole lives yep. uh, to these record companies. And so that was really why we started it. Mm. Um, and secondly, you know, I was doing A&R for a major label and, you know, the business models of major labels these days are kind of more like, you know, venture capitalists right. and they're, and I say that that's just what they, that's just what they do. They're not in the business of developing artists and they, they want to throw a bunch of money on stuff that has already proven that it's working. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for me, I, I worked in the music business to do what I love, which is developing artists and working on music. And yeah. If I would have been a banker, I would have, you know, <laughs> done the Goldman track right out of school or whatever. But what do you think the success rate <laughs> is for major label artists these days, at least when you were at Capital, in terms of how many artists you would sign versus how many would recoup the cost of their advance to then, you know, greenlit? Oh, advance. very, 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 very few. Very few. Um, okay. Yeah, I think m when you sign a record deal, you should assume that's that could be the last check you see 
from the recording that side <laughs> okay. of your business. Sure. Um, I mean, there, there are exceptions, like some artists who I, I know of some artists who are signed to majors who do exceptional, exceptionally well in the sync space or mm-hmm. who uh, just p- happen to stream very well, but, you know, aren't necessarily an A-list artist like those exist as well, but that's mm-hmm. more of the anomaly than the, right. than the norm. Um, but, but yeah, so we, uh, so, so the other part of the reason for starting God mode, the way that we did was just that artists need that development Mm -hmm. and they need, um, I think as power has gone away from the major record companies, that also means that a lot of that infrastructure and a lot of that support system that used to be there is no longer there. And we built a company that could really help support artists, both creatively, both, uh, business strategy wise, both mm-hmm. just with everything. And we really believe that every detail of every project matters. Mm. And like what, something that was super frustrating for me when I was at Capital was, you know, I could make, I could put together the perfect session with like, you know, the right producer, the right writer and the artist. But if the artwork was, was like wrong, or if the the way that it was rolled out was wrong. It could mm-hmm. squash the entire release. Right. And so we're very much like I'm a crazy person and we're very uh, obsessed with all these details of yeah. doing it properly. And really, if you, we believe that if you put the right strategy in place and uh, really put that work in, it pays off. I love that. And that's, it's, very inspiring to hear that. Um, I would imagine a lot of younger, well, just a lot of A&R people in general are frustrated at labels because yeah. they see that process and they see that, you know, they might do their job, but their hands are tied when it comes to releasing budget to enable Completely. the projects that they're trying to do or even just inspire the other departments to rally around the artists that they're so excited about because they're not Katy Perry or whatever. Completely. Completely. Um, so that's great. So where what God Mode is now, let's kind of fast forward. Um, yeah. What do you do now? So you listed off a bunch of things. Every step of the process is so important. Um, mm-hmm. But what does that actually mean in practice? Yeah, so we are a management company. We are a record okay. label. Hmm. And we also just recently started a publishing company. Uh, with Hypnosis, right? A partnership with Hypnosis, with hypnosis. Cool. yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so you're you're um, you're all in one here. That's that's very exciting. I mean, to be honest, it's it's different for every artist. Not every okay. artist is necessarily touching all of those things. Gotcha. Um, and it just kind of makes we we have those capabilities depending on what is right for ev- any specific artist. So uh, when you bring an artist on, is it? Um, I, I guess how streamlined is this process, or how? Um, uh, do you do you have kind of a system that's set up that they kind of go through step A, then step B, then step C, or is it kind of you start with management no, it's, and it's it honestly just completely varies based okay. on uh, you know who the artist is. Like for instance, we started working with an artist named JPEG Mafia a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and he was already in a record deal, okay. and so he I we just work with him on the management front. Gotcha. Uh, probably moving forward, we will we'll be working together more closely on the record front, but that's still to be determined as to what that looks like. But it's uh, Republic isn't going to isn't going to greenlight the next. <laughs> I, Re- Republic wants to. I think I think JPEG is a is someone gotcha. that needs to to have his own uh, <laughs> right. cool have his own shop. But um, okay. but no, I mean it's so yeah. So as, as an example, like that's that's one. Um, mm-hmm. Others are other artists like Channel Trace. Mm -hmm. Um, we've worked with, you know, from day one of his career and, uh, started out by, you know, we were, we're like management and label for that. Mm. And so, um, it just depends on what is right for an artist. Or for instance, we have an artist named, uh, Love Leo, who we did, we work with, for management and for label. And he had a song, uh, blow up on TikTok, uh, Mm -hmm. like you do these days. And, (laughs) uh, and we licensed that to, we did a deal with Republic actually uh, for that. So we have partnerships on some of our projects as well. Okay. I want to talk about that. And then I do want to go back to uh, Channel Trace because that, I think that's an interesting story. I want to hear that the sure. whole thing. But for Love Leo, um, this is, uh, 
I'm hearing a lot more of these, you know, licensing deals with indie artists and uh, major labels these days. Um, but was this kind of a, um, I guess, what do you call this? Was this man, uh, I don't know how much you can reveal of the deal, but is it, is this kind of just like a 50-50 thing with uh, Republic and God Mode or with Re- Republic and Love Leo and you're just on the management side? Or was this like a... You're almost like a subsidiary of Republic, or are they are you just, uh, yeah, just step yeah, me through yeah. how that even works. Totally, I I can't get into this like specific numbers or anything sure. like that, but but basically it's it's a partnership with Republic just for that artist between God okay. Mode and Republic, and because Leo oh, okay. was signed to us for records before, um, okay, Got so it. it was it was a deal, obviously. You know, it and it, it actually was an incredible deal. Like, really, a, a I, I don't know that I've ever seen such a favorable artist deal mm. because when artists are signed to us for records, and I'm, I don't know if I'm getting too in the weeds on this, so no, stop please. me. But no, it's great. Um, we, if if I'm going to license a record that is a God Mode record to somebody else, mm-hmm. we can only license the rights that we have. Right. So, and we're never even touching. You know remotely any of the rights that a major label like we're it's our record deals are like the friendliest deals ever and um so then when i'm licensing it i can say oh i'm sorry universal i leo you can't have any of his touring you can't have any of these other rights because i those are not mine to give right now like 360 deals and i mean but are 360 deals even that common anymore in the major oh, yeah. label? Still that common. Okay. Because unless it's a very competitive situation, it's, it's pretty common. Weird. Okay. Because I it, it's interesting how I'm hearing both ends of the spectrum. I'm hearing the 360 deals are happening, but on the other end of the spectrum, I'm talking to artists every day that are getting licensing deals with major labels yeah. with fat advances, no ownership, just like a 12 to 15 year uh licensing deal. Totally. Retaining all ownership and 50-50 split on royalties. So it's just like <laughs> you got the totally. both ends of the extreme here. Um, so I'm assuming... It, depend- the, it totally... Yeah. You're, but you're probably talking to artists that have something going for them too. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I had Ricky Montgomery on the on the show not too long ago. Mm-hmm. He had two songs go viral on, on TikTok. Right. Um, and, you know, got into a crazy bidding war. And it, in the end, right. it was Warner that did, did offered him a 50-50 licensing right. deal with a big advance. It was just like, wow, totally. we were hearing that five years ago from India. Totally. Artists, no, but, and, yeah. that's, and that's sort of, uh, in those situations, kind of anything's possible to a degree. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, you know, that's, that's why in a, a lot of cases it is, that's why I say major labels are like VCs because it's, they're like, Oh, this is working. This is happening. So if yeah. I get this, it doesn't matter. You know, if I'm losing out on these other things, I just need to get this. Right. So. Right. Right. Okay. Interesting. So, um, and, and just to break down for, uh, I know we are in the weeds, but I want to stay there for a minute. Cause a lot sure. of, uh, you know, all our listeners are, are right here with us right now, but, um, just to, just to, uh, explain a few of the things we're talking about when we do say licensing deal with a major label, can you explain mm-hmm. what that actually means? Sure. It just means basically you are loaning the right to, I guess distri- a lawyer would maybe tweak my words here, but uh, <laughs> but it, you're fine. basically saying to a major, you can distribute and you have the rights to this record for a period of time. Okay. And then after that, you get it back uh, fully. So a license cool. period could be as favorable as 12 to 15 years, could be as favorable as eight years, you know, mm-hmm. or it could be 50 years. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. um, and there are, you know, that's part of the, all part of that negotiation. And typically with licensing deals, are you seeing that um, it's similar? They give an advance, uh, it's a royalty share, and then they kind of do what they would normally do with a traditional record deal for the however long the license is for? Yeah, it, sh- it really okay. doesn't vary. I think, you know, okay. there are um, in situations like to use Love Leo as the example, because mm-hmm. it is a license deal and because we have, you know, we are the people that they are licensing from, mm-hmm. we are able to push back on some of the annoying major label things that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really helpful to our artists. Give me um, one of those annoying major label things that happen that you can push back. On. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think about what I can say. Um, we, we were deep in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably spring of 2020. And so Leo, Leo's an incredible 
uh, creative and he directs and is really the mastermind behind all of his music videos. And um, he was filming a true quarantine music video in his, you know, studio apartment Uh in downtown LA. And uh, one of the major scenes was him in front of his bookcase Mm -hmm. and they got very upset that the legal, the BA department got very upset that you could see the titles of some of the books <laughs> in the background, oh um, which if you're a normal person watching the video, you know, you, you can't see them uh, yeah. <laughs> and was so beside the point of all of it. But, you know, these, this is a publicly traded company. And so they're very, they have to be aware of getting sued and, you mm-hmm. know, all this stuff. And, but as I was able to say, because it was a license, like, sorry guys, like, we're, we're uploading this anyways, yeah. uh, oh, okay. because you know, that we're not like, maybe the liability falls more on us, but we're like, sorry, we're doing it anyways. And so a lot of those creative decisions uh, were able to kind of like act as a protector for our artists, um, in those deals. That's a really, that's a really great other distinction with a licensing deal is that because they don't own it, you still have the ability to do whatever you want and correct you like if they were to you know if it was a traditional record deal they would own the masters and so they had the final say whereas now if you license it to them you still have the final say right, right? i mean look i yes i think there are i don't i don't think in other than stuff like that i don't think there's a huge to talk about license versus ownership i think a lot of the way that that's spoken about online is is fairly uh elementary and i don't think it's that black and white uh and uh i think you want people i I think i don't think it's bad to necessarily uh to to be in either situation okay cool cool um all right so for channel trace where you say you're kind of doing everything you got um you started with him fairly early um step me through that process or how how you guys started working together and and then how you did this quote-unquote artist development and and how that all went down yeah i mean channel channels from compton originally um Mm -hmm. i met him actually in a session with a buddy of his actually this artist named august 08 uh who i think is on def jam now okay um and cause August was a writer that I had worked with a bunch. Um, and I met, I was coming in the room. I, I don't even remember who the artist session was for at this point. And I was just coming to say hi to August and channel was there. And I just was sort of like, Oh, who's that guy? Uh, and cause normally, you know, song LA songwriters and producers have a, usually they, they have a very specific vibe and channel was just so different. Hmm. Um, and I just was like, oh, and we just sort of chatted a bit. I had run into him a few times around, you know, at shows later too. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I left Capitol, he had sent out some like, like very silly artist newsletter. One of those things that you think never works, but, uh, <laughs> but it just reminded me of him. Mm. And um, so I hit him up and brought him by the studio and he and uh, my partner, Nick, made his song Controller like the next day. Wow. Wow. And channel had actually never put his vocals on a song before. Wow. What was he doing as the artist sending out artist newsletters? He was, he was sending out kind of like, like Catronata type beats, that sort of vibe. And you know, a lot, something that we say a lot around here is like artists often don't know what's the most special thing about themselves. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. it's our job and a lot of the work that we do is really just shining a light on it mm. and making it as clear as possible. And we, you know, we brought him in, Nick heard him speak. He's like, Oh my God, you literally sound like Barry White. Like this is insane. Uh, <laughs> I love and, the bio that you put on your website. It says it's if Barry White didn't realize he was Barry White or something. Or the, yeah, the voice totally. of Barry White, if he didn't realize it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. So yeah. no, it's, it's really wild. And he, you know, he'll have, he'll definitely one day have a big career in like voiceover work. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he, he is an incredible voice and um, we kind of, worked we we worked really hard to create a whole world around him and Mm. and that's something that we that we think and a lot of the work that we do is focused on you know to be an artist in 2021 you're a name on a you're a face a very anonymous name on a playlist full of like with 300 other artists that are nameless faceless and we want when you encounter one of our artists to feel like oh my god i've encountered a whole world that i didn't even know existed 
And tell me about okay. Let's 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 go down this this uh, rabbit hole of of what an artist world is. What does that mean? Create an entire yeah. world around them. I mean, it's there. I think there are there's there's music that does well mm-hmm. on streaming platforms, but those artists, but some, but there there. Sorry, let me back up. There 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 are songs that do well on streaming platforms, but you don't know anything about who that artist is. You, there's no narrative. There's no, mm-hmm. um, they like, they could be making, they could have, you know, 5 million monthly listeners, but that doesn't mean they could sell any tickets. Right. 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 And so a lot of the work that we do is when you encounter channel trace on a playlist that you're like, Oh my God, like who is this guy? Oh, he's from Compton. Oh, he's making dance music he's a black Mm. dude from compton making dance music this is really interesting Mm. he's playing he has songs with robin he has songs with disclosure he has songs with uh jpeg mafia or Mm -hmm. you know he it it really you're like oh this is and then you go to his instagram and he's like the coolest looking guy and you're like wow this is really different Mm. um and then it kind of, it's like a whole web that it introduces you to a whole world. And so, yeah, that's a lot of what we, the strategy and thinking that we do uh, ahead of time. Cool. And so uh, a big part of just to even break down what the world means even further, um, because from that description, it's like, oh, well, doesn't every artist, you know, do collaborations and they all have an Instagram and they all, you know, whatever. But I think what goes into all of that is, um, okay, so uh, the fact that anyone would know he's from Compton and doing dance music and all of that, it's like, it's part of his story and how you tell, communicate the story uh, potentially would be through uh, getting some press. And so when you're searching, who is this artist's name? Maybe Mm -hmm. that shows up. You say he looks really cool on his Instagram. So uh, I'm assuming that goes into bringing in a potentially like a creative director or do you have, do you have like on staff creative directors or photographers? We do. I mean, to be, we, we do. We work with lots of people uh, okay. or a couple specific people who we, we like working with. Um, but also a lot of it is like very, you know, it's, it's decisions that you make that are like, they're creative decisions that you make that really affect the business. So what okay. I mean by that is, for instance, when Channel was getting ready to play his first shows, and this was very like you know six months after releasing his first music, okay. and the obvious answer for him was that he would be a dude with a laptop and like make you know playing beats and it would be or maybe he's playing CDJs like you know something like that. Sure. That seems like what you would expect, and so we did a lot of thinking before being like, how do we make this more, how do we make this different? How do we make this stand out? Mm. And so his shows, it's now much bigger, but the first early shows were him and two dancers doing <laughs> a mix of West coast style dancing that he grew up with, with some other uh, influences in there too. And cool. people were just like, like yeah. this, this is a whole other layer of this. And especially for like cooler music in that space, you don't see stuff like that. Mm. And it's either like, super precious highbrow artistic you know uh like arca type stuff or Mm -hmm. it's lizzo Mm -hmm. and so we're we're like how do we make this this still needs to be cool as fuck sorry i don't know if i can curse yeah yeah, that's fine um but an edgy and feel relevant but like really appealing uh Mm -hmm, at the same mm -hmm. time and really different and so it's a lot of that kind of stuff that you're Mm. like oh my god like this is like what is this like this is incredible Cool. Uh, and, and that kind of mentality, basically. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with 
BMG. So you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Losses partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue. Uh, They have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out 2Lost. You can just go to 2Lost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Cool. So it was Control of the First Single? It was, Yeah. And what was, so this was what, 2018 when you released that or so? This was probably, Okay. Yeah. Um, now, things have changed a bit. Uh, I saw that, you know, it got some BBC One radio airplay. It got, uh, like, in Australia, it, it caught fire. But mm-hmm. um, what, I guess, uh, I want to talk release strategy. Um, yeah. Just to wrap up Channel Trace uh, in that a little bit. What was the release strategy then? And in 2018 and how that ended up catching and versus what is your release strategy typically now coming up, you know, 2022? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting and it's been really cool. Uh, it's very rewarding as an executive to talk about these things in theory and to actually watch it come to life. And sure. it was very deliberate on our part to we spent zero dollars in this country until 2019. Wow. So we spent all of our money in Australia and mm. mostly in a little bit in the UK and a little bit in France. Okay. Um, but I would say 80% in Australia. Mm. And he was selling out, you know, 600 cap rooms in Australia six wow. months after releasing that first music. Why Australia? Basically, there's there have been a few records that have caught fire out of there and they're just very lucky having triple j still be a relevant um you know station i don't think the bbc is really has that influence anymore but triple j really does and um triple j added the song like a week into us releasing it and Mm. we hired teams there and so that was a very deliberate strategy um and he hadn't even played any shows he still only played two shows in LA. Wow. Okay. So, and we, so that was, that was very, very deliberate. We also were very deliberate. A lot, we, our mentality about releases in general is that, you know, like for, um, if you're a major label, you're going to send out a press release to the whole world. You're going to tell the heads of Spotify, mm-hmm. this is coming, pay attention, this is coming. And we sort of have the opposite perspective, which is, mm. I don't want to send it to the most people. I'm going to send it to the right people and in the right order. So for instance, like I could send it to, you know, the person that runs the mint playlist on Spotify, Mm -hmm. but maybe I should send it to like the cool younger person who everyone actually listens to what they have to say about music before sending it to the head people. Okay. And not that I won't send it to the head people also eventually, but things need to happen organically in order for things for it to actually catch fire. And so, yeah, we, we do a lot of that kind of thinking in terms of, so for instance, for channel, yeah, we purposely, so we hired an Australian team. We hired this 
guy who's who's literally like a guy who I think just parties in Ibiza and sends music to his friends who are DJs. <laughs> okay. Um, and but had him service the record to DJs mm. um, because we wanted it to be like a weird thing that was coming kind of out of left field, and we wanted that to be how people encountered it mm. rather than hiring like a giant DJ servicing company to blast it out you know among their 500 other things that they're blasting out Mm. um and so a lot of those decisions that we did early on were really really impactful uh for him cool um yeah that i mean that's that's what you kind of have to do when you don't have the resources of a major but it also uh it 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 Probably well, it's not really about it's not honestly it's not about the resources we can spend the money if we want on those yeah. things I just don't I I think fans are really hip they know when something is coming from to use a channel lyric from the top down mm-hmm. it's uh they know that like mm. people are sensitive to that and if it's coming sure. from if a big DJ is getting this from a giant DJ servicing company they're gonna be like fuck this like why wow. would I care about this and just in the same way that you probably have friends in your life who you know, if they tell you about an artist, you pay attention more than others. And that's how we think about this. And Mm. especially in the early stages. So like, yeah, of course we can hire, you know, the biggest DJ plugger, the biggest radio promoter, whatever, whatever the thing is that we're talking about. But to us, it's more about like what is actually the right way and in the right order. Cool. That makes sense. Um, now it is interesting going to radio first. Uh, I guess Triple J in Australia, it's a it's a unique case. Whereas like radio everywhere else is not what Triple J in, in Australia is. Um, and is that I'm a, well? Tell me about your kind of the release strategy. It sounds like what release strategies are is going to vary tremendously on every artist yes. based on you know how you're going to get specific and targeted and go to those right people, not just blasting out. You don't. Doesn't seem like you have a paint by numbers structure like um, a no. lot of labels do. No. Um, but when it comes to spending, when it comes to resources, uh, more specific. I mean, where where do you devote a lot of the resources um i guess if you can say when it comes to marketing for instance like if Mm -hmm. we're just talking marketing uh are you focusing on digital marketing running ads influencer marketing where is the money being spent in marketing these days um i would say like 90 percent of the money we spend is on a variety of online stuff Um, and that can mean a lot of different things. Uh, (laughs) I, I have a crew of like 19 year olds that I, that is sort of an ever revolving door, but, Mm -hmm. uh, they always seem to be, the new ones always seem to be 18, 19, um, who I call like my internet ninjas. And, uh, they're just really good at moving the algorithms and really good at planting things online. And, um, we're really into planting memes and planting like (laughs) really getting in the weeds on that stuff. Um, and that, you know, what that is changes on a daily monthly basis on what works and what doesn't. But, um, to me, that's, that's how culture moves in 2021. And Mm -hmm. yes, I'm talking about doing these radio campaigns and stuff for channel, but like, it's, it's a lot of this other stuff that has really pushed it to, for him to be where he is today. And, Mm -hmm. Um, that to me is what that I, this, this is the stuff that I really get off on is like finding these like weird, uh, black holes on the internet in ways that like, okay, if you, if, if you get it to into this place with this many views, how can we push it to the front or like all that stuff, um, is really, it's really the wild west. Mm-hmm. What is moving the needle the most these days in these internet corners? Is it just TikTok? Is that, is that 90% of the, the strategy? I mean, TikTok, there's a, people are obsessed with TikTok because there's a direct correlation between how many videos are created and to how many streams that means. So like me, like people have a calculation. I don't know what these numbers are, but there is a calculation. (laughs) Tell me the number. I I can find it for you, but it's like the ANRs, like the research ANRs at major labels know Mm. that if a song I'm making these numbers up, but if a song has. 200,000 videos created, it's going to stream X number. It's going to chart to this place. Mm. Um, yep. But TikTok, so that's why people are obsessed with TikTok. But mm-hmm. I have to say, I was obsessed with TikTok probably two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok is incredibly 
oversaturated now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't spent real dollars on TikTok in probably eight months. Uh, what does it mean to spend real dollars? You mean hiring uh, influencers on TikTok, or hiring an influencer agency to engage their yeah. influencers? Yeah, that kind of okay. thing. Um, but it's, you know, you basically have to spend at six figures to even have a chance at TikTok now. And, um, and having a chance at TikTok, you mean uh, going viral and starting to chart on Spotify, essentially? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So f- for us, like, it's kind of like winning the lottery at this point. Like, it's possible, okay. but it's, you know, there are probably a few records a year that uh, are really good that, you know, that have spent that money and are able to push it. Mm. Um, but it's mm-hmm. really, really hard to to break through on TikTok these days. Okay. Uh, so what are the other, g- give me some of these other, uh, things that your internet ninjas do, um, that, Where that I have, I have guys that are, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to get in, see, I'm not going to share all my secrets, okay. but, it's, okay. uh, <laughs> but we do a lot of meme campaigns. We do a lot of Reddit campaigns. We do okay. a lot of YouTube campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still a big, big, big fan of YouTube. And I still think that's, uh, that's where a lot of stuff really moves. Cool. And, um, you know, I think so. It's it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but we're we'll also do a lot of some campaigns where if something, if one particular meme or one particular video is reactive, then we place that in a hundred other places. And we're just really cool. smart about, or my guys are really smart about, uh, you know, how to push content out into the world. Mm-hmm. It's interesting um, how you said just going back to the uh, the. Um, the calculation of X number of videos on that are created on TikTok equals X number of streams or something. I heard that calculation from someone at marketing, uh, worked in marketing a few years ago, not about TikTok, but it was about um, knowing how to, it was advertising at the time. It was like mm. Instagram story advertising. It's like, oh, we know because we've worked out the whole thing that if we spend X amount, it's going to, it just costs this amount of money to chart in the top 50. Right. Um I'm curious if there's going to be, it was advertising, then it's TikTok. And I'm curious to know, like, if, you know, where the money is going to be going. Because a lot of these things that you mentioned with uh, the Reddit or the YouTube or the the memes and the trends and all of that, um, that all sounds like it's manpower and it's mm-hmm. more or less organic. Um, are you, are, are do you believe that it, it it's more beneficial to kind of have these people uh, the manpower and, and that's spending the money on that versus spending money uh, in these more, I guess, traditional as of the last five years, traditional ways of like advertising or influencer marketing or any of that kind of stuff. Well, adver- advertising works to a degree, you know, okay. like it to spend money on Instagram stories, as you to, to use your example, mm-hmm. it's a very, very, very low return on your money. Um, and so, yes, it works, but you also have to think about if I'm going to spend 20 grand on Instagram ads, how else could I be spending that money? And Mm -hmm. that's not going to be a runaway anything. And it, you know, maybe it'll give you a bump to, you know, and of course there are tricks to all these things where, you know, as you'd said, this marketing person knows if I spend X number of dollars, you know. I can, there's a guy who, you know, I know that if you pay him a certain amount of money, he can get you number one on iTunes, you know, stuff right. like that. There's all those things right. exist, of course, but that's not, that those aren't real, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but so those there, there's, you should, ad, advertising is an important component, okay. but it's ultimately when you do these things, you're looking to raise general awareness mm-hmm. and also looking to give the opportunity for something to have a much wider reach. Mm. And so for, for most things that are successful, you know, there are viral things and then there are things that grow slowly over time mm-hmm. to chase a viral moment is that's not how we run our business. Um, and that's, I just don't think that's, that's literally playing, you know, playing the lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, we're always trying to like, you know, developing an artist and, you know, trying to tell the world about that artist is literally pushing a boulder up a hill. Mm -hmm. And so you want to think about, okay, where are people going to be most receptive to this? How do I get in front of fans that, uh, you know, are going to like this? How do I Mm -hmm. get in front of fans that might be a little unsure, but could maybe like it? How do I, 
and you really think about those different opportunities online. And that's what that's what those different outlets are. And there are different campaigns to serve different purposes. Um, and TikTok is much more of like a crapshoot. I'm going for the I'm taking the big swing, going for the viral moment. Sure. Um, but it's and the, not that there's not strategy behind how you run those campaigns. There is, but mm-hmm. it's the the other stuff that's more granular that you can spread uh, to the right people feels to me like a better spend of money. Yeah, it, it makes complete sense. Um, I, yeah, so that I, I'm very curious about um, when, okay, so spending the to the right people, the right money, but when um, you're developing a release strategy and um, you're deciding like you might have a budget. Um, and now, just to, I guess, back up a little bit because I, I'm still trying to understand the God Mode business models because I don't completely. Um, are you funded? Where does the money come from? Are you Do you work like a management company or a manager where you're taking a commission of the artists? Are artists paying you? Are the like how does the how does the business work of, of what? Yeah, Godmode I mean they're does? they're pretty each silo like the management is its own thing, the label is its own thing, and the publishing is its own thing. So okay. manage uh, we as managers we work like any manager on a commission basis, okay. um, and for the label we you know earn money once our artists are you know earning royalties, um, okay. and publishing same you know same deal. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, normal publishing. Everything is sort of normal, but just in its own world. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And when you got started, was this a, uh, are you VC backed? Are you angel backed? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't or... answer that. No, we are very proudly completely independent. Okay. And we, um, you know, having come from the major label system, I don't want to be beholden to, uh, <laughs> sure. you know, the... Not, not that that's bad. It just for us, we need to we need to move at our own pace and um, kind of move how we want and hire the people that we want. And um, so, no, we are we're completely independent and completely self funded. Cool, right on. Um, how many people are part of the the God Mode ecosystem that work for God Mode? Um, well, our core we have we have three people on staff, um, okay. and not including me and my partner Nick and. Um, then everyone else, there are certain partners that we work with over and over in different territories. Um, okay. but they're that, but staff wise, that's, that's who we are. Cool. Um, and so your internet ninjas, these are just either interns or, or hired guns that are kind of, uh, contracted when they come in and out. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't, uh, we, we believe that, you know, every campaign is pretty different. Some people we work with over and over, but some people, like I'm not going to hire the dance guy for something that's not dance music or, um, and sense. I think people are really, you know, have very specific specialties. So we hire it according to what is right for each campaign. Cool. What would you recommend to artists um, do these days? They are talented. They have the music, uh, but they don't have the team. What mm-hmm. is your recommendation uh, that artists do to, to develop a career? I think artists should just, I don't think they should necessarily worry about the team. I think the right okay. people will find you and um, not that you shouldn't, you know, try to make connections and meet people, but uh, artists should just try to present themselves in a way that they think is best. I think they should, uh, just kind of do what they do and just try to go out and network as much as possible. Um, not, ne- not necessarily for the sake of, you know, Oh, I need to hire a manager. Oh, I need to do this, but just cause to help to, to use an example, like channel trace is incredible at kind of going out and doing the thing. And he will go out to parties and be like, Oh, I just met, you know, I just met Prince, you know, obviously not Prince, but just like, but that's <laughs> who he is. And he is, yes, yep. he's very good at that. And that is probably one of the most important things you can do. And you can do that virtually too, even if you live in a place that's not, you know, LA or New York or London, I think um, there are ways to make connections with different people um, and try to just work on stuff with them and, and, you know, find common ground. I think that's probably one of the most important things to do. 
So uh, connecting with people who you respect. Now, are you talking on the creative side to collaborate with or more on the business side to... Yeah, both. Potentially help? Okay. Both. I mean, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I don't know that... I think on the creative side, it's just good to make connections, even if it's mm-hmm. like this person makes really different stuff than me. Let's just try to make stuff. And mm-hmm. cause who knows who that person knows who that, you know, and then it, it right. kind of grows from there. Um, and then on the business side too. Yeah. I think, I don't know that, you know, I think I would worry less about that, but I think if you, if there's stuff that you like that, you know, someone works on, I think you can say, Hey, I really like this and just try to build natural relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in, in that space. Cool. Um, these days, do you, I know you work with artists that are on both majors and indies. Um, mm-hmm. Do you th- think that there is a place for um, the major labels still? And if so, what is that place and what are they, what is their purpose? Definitely. I mean, we love working with our major label partners and it's, I think there's just a time and a place and they're good at a very specific thing. Um, and they, you know, they don't know how to get artists from zero to 70. Hmm. And I think they all outwardly say that at this point, mm-hmm. um, they're not good at getting them to that point, but when something is at that level, they are very, very good at getting it to a hundred hmm. and they, you know, have the relationships or have the, quite literally equity in those companies that, um, they will get those placements and all that, but Mm -hmm. any, but that's, that's sort of the, the, the level on which to interact with them. Gotcha. We've talked a lot about artist development, what you've done. What about fan development and how do you go from getting streams on Spotify or, or videos created on TikTok or memes spread around on Reddit or whatever it is to then building an actual ticket buying fan base. Yeah. Um, I think I'll use one of our artists, uh, JPEG mafia as an example. Mm -hmm. Um, he has a extremely dedicated cult fan base and he is, uh, you know, his fans like will conspire about if he said one thing on, if he said, if he tweeted this one thing, then what does that mean about X, Y, and Z? And, uh, you know, fully, fully, yeah, yeah, like honestly, it's like their own, their own version of it. And, um, and I'm like, no, I think he just had a couple too many drinks and was tweeting, but you know, um, but, but, uh, but no, so we do a lot with his fans. Like for instance, when we we were getting ready to announce his tour this fall, his North American tour, mm-hmm. I was really, and this was the first headline tour I had announced post COVID or post quarantine. Mm. Yeah. So I just, and I had been hearing about other tours not doing well and, or just tickets kind of like plateauing. Mm-hmm. And so I was really, really anxious about just putting up a tour and, you mm-hmm. know, and especially it was like, right. It actually was like right when Delta was like peaking, Oof. we were supposed yeah. to be announcing it. And everyone was like, nah, you're fine. Like his fans are so obsessed with him. Like it's, you know, not that type of artist that you have to worry about. But so we, I worked with some of my internet guys and my staff here to basically, we came up with the idea to do a campaign where we wouldn't even announce the tour to the public. And we got a, basically like a secret presale link that we would only drop in his there basically there's a reddit forum of his like most obsessed fans hmm. and where they're all doing all their conspiring and um so we had jpeg infiltrate the reddit and start just in his own style you know very sort mm-hmm. of uh a little bit chaotic a little bit uh a little bit you know off and sure. he he's actually a he's a veteran he fought uh in a in a number of wars over the last couple of years and mm-hmm. Um, not a couple of years in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he dropped a very specific photo from when he was in the, in the military mm. and it was a photo that had never before been seen. So the fans are like crazy. Like, who is this? Who is this? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, then he drops another photo of him when he was mm. like a teenager and they're like, Oh my God, this must be, this must be JPEG. This must be him. 
Um, and then we dropped like a tiny snippet of a song that had the, the next single that had not been released yet. And then everyone's like, Oh, this is him. This is him. <laughs> it's confirmed. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then he, then he went in the forum and just said, Hey, don't, I'm not telling anyone this, but here's a, here a link to buy tickets. Uh, and you know, go get them before anyone else does. Yeah. And we sold 80% of the tickets from that, uh, link incredible the exclusivity and feeling like you're part of that private club um i mean i just got an email from spotify saying you're so-and-so is one of top fans here's a pre you know here's a pre-sale link to their tour that's not on sale yet i was like oh shit you know you feel special um now on the other end of the spectrum because you said you started working with jpeg when he was already he already kind of had it was established a bit and had Mm -hmm. that diehard base Um, i think that's a brilliant campaign and that uh it's a testament um and it and it shows you know it, it worked um what about like um what about channel and uh, someone would kind of started from you know not a diehard fan base mm-hmm. uh, how do you go about that converting okay he's got some airplay in australia he's got some traction but you know he hasn't really played the states or you don't sure. know uh, how do you develop the base there or even you know convert people from listeners to fans it's, it's a lot of what I talked about earlier about really creating that world that you okay. encounter. And so I think it's, it's creating intrigue behind a person rather than just releasing music, if that makes sense. Okay. And so, but it's, there's also a lot of just like work that channel had to do in order to do that. Like every show he played, he stayed after and took pictures and signed stuff with every single person. And mm-hmm. he, uh, responds to DMs and he, it's a lot of that kind of stuff that really it's, it's the real engagement stuff. It's, it's stuff that sounds so obvious, but mm-hmm. it really, really works. Mm. And, um, and it's a lot of it, a lot of the, the, you know, the cosign work that we did too. It's like, okay, he's going to do a song with this person or he's going to do a song. Oh, there's who, how is he in another photo with James Blake? How is he in a photo with YG or, you know, um, people start really paying attention and being like, who is this guy? Mm. I'm really interested. And then they're like really paying attention. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's a lot of that work and, um, you know, the work to try to make it more than just, you know, a song on a playlist basically. In terms of, uh, communication avenues to the fans, Mm -hmm. what do you think is the most effective these days? You really, I mean, the answer probably is social media, but it's, and probably Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Um, but you really, really, it's so funny. We always like kind of rack, like, like are like pulling our hair out here whenever we announce a tour. And then we see all these comments and people are like, why aren't you like, like the tour will have been announced like two weeks before. And they're like, Oh my God, when is this tour happening? And so like people, you have to like really, really hit people over the head with it. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm not saying that has to come directly from the artist that can be through ads that can be through, you know, other, other, you know, lanes, but you really have to kind of hit people over the head with it. I think, you know, of course there are mailing lists that, that are still really, really powerful. Um, mm-hmm. but that's something you have to really kind of commit to gathering that data from mm-hmm. day one, yeah. uh, and really, really building, um, and, and also just being deliberate about messaging too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, whether, whether it's a mailing list or whether it's like community, I don't know if you know about that. That's the like the SMS texting text thing. marketing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think there are good and bad ways to use all these things, but sure. I think if there, if you're, there's an elegant way to, to do this that I think can be very, very effective. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. Well, Talia, this is so informative, so helpful. Uh, I, I know that people listening to this have really, uh, they have a lot of things that they're thinking about. And um, it's, it's great to hear your perspective and to know that there are these alternative models uh, happening right now and that uh, as we are in this new music industry, that it's um, it's a a brand new system and structure of how everything is working and you're one of the the pioneers of this this new model so um very cool to hear your perspective uh there's one final question that i have that i ask everybody who comes on the show what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business well i wanted to clarify on that question because i okay. think people answer it differently yes do is that meant for me for me to make it or for artists to make it however you want to take it but you can answer both of those 
Okay. I think for artists, I think it's, to me, there are a lot of, I think there are a lot of different ways to make it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's, to me, it's about moving culture. And Mm -hmm. uh, really, it's been incredible, you know, for the artists that I work with, uh, they're, you know, whether it's changing how Black men are perceived in this country or changing how, uh, you know, like there's, there's just a lot of, there are a lot of different ways that affects the world that we live in. And uh, that to me is, is really exciting. And I think that's how an artist can really make an impact um, mm-hmm. because I think there's a lot of different ways to, to have a career. And I think that there's a lot of different ways to make money and a lot of different ways to have a career. And that can mean a lot of different things to different people. But I think changing culture is something that is undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And for you, for me, I don't know. I think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or for God mode. Yeah. I think, I think making it is, uh, is building is, is not necessarily, I think this could be interpreted for the artists too, is, there's not a certain way to do things. Mm. And I think now more than ever, it's the wild West out there mm-hmm. and, and in a really exciting way. And I think if you, if you can build and do what you love, then you're winning. So. Talia Litzer, thank you so much. This has been uh, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.